Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Today we're going to talk about the journey of freedom through community. Why do we why do we um value community so much? Why are we so big on community? Why do you keep hearing this word community being dropped and hashtagged and uh, love and light party people welcome community of hope hey that's a church in bombay but um <laughs> why do you keep hearing that why is this something we value so much it's because it's god's idea it's because this was god's plan from the very beginning this idea of community and i'm going to show you we're going to go on a little journey let's start with Exodus 6 verse 6 if Siraj can put it up there It says I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment I will take you as my own people and I will be your God It's amazing this scripture has so much of meat in it. Um sorry if you're vegan, but no I mean like this really. I mean you can go and chew it because when he says I'm the Lord, he says he's put a process in place. He goes I'm the Lord and I will bring you out. Okay? Ryan talked about the bringing us out last week where his relationship with us is nothing but a scandal of grace. There is nothing you can do to bring yourself out of Egypt, out of your bondage, out of where you came from. If you're if you're here for the first time, Egypt is a metaphor for slavery when the Israelites were under their captivity. Um and and in our lives we find ourselves in in our little places of Egypt just bound and and confined to and sometimes we just can't break free of or we're bound in the Egypt of our past and There is no way you can get yourself out of there. That has to be a work of grace. That has to be something we as a C3 church community value. That our relationship is is not brought out what would we can do. It is brought out by the grace of God. But then he goes to say, "I will free you from being slaves to them." So that means there is two actions. One is him bringing us out from under the yoke, and the next is the freeing from being slaves to them. And this process, if you've been in church a while, there's two words you might hear. They're very sacred, sophisticated words called justification and sanctification. And uh <laughs> and all the traditional folks say amen. Justification is simply being made righteous with God. It's nothing you can do. So if you've come from a mindset where you've had to perform and strive and and keep just going in a circle, Jesus is going to mess you up because he's saying there's nothing you can do to come into relationship with me. But once you come into relationship with me, once you're justified, I love you too much to leave you there. So once he saves you from Egypt, he now starts to free you from the bondage of slavery. That bondage of slavery is called sanctification. That means it's a daily process. 
that God works in on our hearts. Justification looks after our eternity, but sanctification determines our life here on earth. And so often we can live justified Christians, believers, people that come to know Jesus. There are people that live completely justified, but they don't want to submit their hearts to be sanctified and live freely. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. See, the sanctification process or the process of getting the junk off our of, you know, if you've heard that song, junk off your trunk, um, that sanctification happens when the Holy Spirit is your agent. You've now come to know Christ and he gives you a new spirit. So the agent of your change is the Holy Spirit. The gospel is the truth by which you change. So you have the agent, you have the truth of the gospel, but then the context of sanctification is community. And that's why we value community so much, because God values it. And why would God use community to transform us? What? Let's go back to, to God's idea. When he made us, he said in one, Genesis 1.26, he said, let us make man in our own image. He was referring to the, the triune God, the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, that were already in community with each other. He made us in his image of community. And that's why everything God does to transform us will be within a context of community because we are made in his image. And why, why does he do that? You know, I was, I was going through this and um, I was thinking the ache to belong, the ache of loneliness, the ache that we feel deep down inside, each of us want to belong, actually began before Adam even sinned. It's, Jesus said it was not good for man to be alone. So when you feel the need to belong, it's not a need of selfishness. It's not a need that, that, um, that causes you to stumble. What you do with that need is very important. And that's why we're talking about it, because sometimes when we begin to realize the need of loneliness or the need of longing or the need to belong, we can start filling it with stuff that God never intended us to. There is a design. There is that ache for loneliness that, that Jesus put in there for us to belong and be one in community. And that was there even before the sin. So why does God do that? I want to talk about protection. Why does God put community, or why does he put community around us? One is protection and the freedom process that he begins. I'll tell you why. If, Siraj, you can put up the first point of self-reliance. We did this in the last sermon. We talked about a little diagnosis. This is our one-on-one -on -one with Rachel time. This is not my idea. I stole it from uh, a community blog which talks about the, the importance of a Jesus-centered community. And I want us, as we go through these five, I want you to start kind of figuring out in your heart which heading you lie under. It's always the bad news before the good news. So the first one is self-reliance. Some of you may be guilty of all, like me, 
Um, and it's totally fine because there's good news at the end. Let's look at self-reliance. Have any of you ever felt like you don't honestly think you need people to grow? Let's be honest. You love being asked for help, but you don't, uh, don't ask help from others. You are proud of your own ability to deal with problems. The next one, self-sufficiency. Very few know the real you, so you are often thought as the good person. When things get hard, you withdraw. You tend to measure spiritual growth by how much you know. Self-protection. You tend to keep others at arm's length to guard against being hurt. You avoid conflict. You might be addicted to approval. You s your sense of value rises and falls on what people say or don't say about you. Self-importance. You tend to be addicted to busyness. It's the way you fill the void of deep relationship. You have a higher concern for respect from others, attention, than you have a sense of responsibility for others, sacrifice. You tend to measure spiritual growth by what you have accomplished. Self-will. You regularly choose work and hobbies over people. You schedule and prioritize. Your priorities always take precedence over people. You won't reshuffle to help or serve others. When it comes to church, you might ask questions like, what do I like or not like? How do I feel? How do I get out of this? What do I get out of this? Your wants and goals are functionally prioritized over the needs of the community. You know, <laughs> this is not there like to scare us and say, oh my gosh, I'm never coming back. This is just to kind of give us a diagnosis of where we're at. And if you're looking at this and going, I am guilty as charged of all, then welcome. We're all sinners in need of a savior. You know why, <laughs> why I, I pointed this out? Because I, in the old famous studio theater, we had a series which became quite a popular series, the mountain series, on us going and sitting on our little mountains of self-righteousness. You know, the crazy thing is when we're, we're all that, we can be isolated and we can be a great saint in isolation. We may think we have nothing wrong. We may think we've perfected the art of, you know, humility. We may think we've perfected the art of forgiveness because there's no one to be angry at. We may, we may think we've perfected the, uh, the art of knowledge because there's no one to look up to. And so we become our little saints in isolation. And that was not what God's plan is because God wants to transform us daily. So there is a drawing out that he does. We build our own mountains of humility, intelligence, truth. We become our own saviors in isolation. But you know, it's so amazing that God in the midst of the struggle, he wants to look at ourselves he wants to draw us out. In Matthew 7, verses 3 and 5, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own? You know, I, I visually always think about this. It's a very funny picture. Have you visually like literally translated this in motion. It's quite a funny picture. I've, I've literally tried to, you know, pick some, something off somebody's eye and then there's this big like plank of wood in my own, you know? And it, 
I actually find it really funny that we do that so graciously. <laughs> We're so, you know, we extend this, this uninvited gesture and happily extend our hand to move the speck out of someone's eye and there's this like, you know, this big plank in our own. We can barely see what's ahead, but we're still so focused on getting that speck out that God's like, hey, hang on. If you, if you were to move that plank out, come with me on a journey. Come, come be among some people. And in a minute, you'll know you're not so humble after all. I know Ryan's dad used to always say, you think you have a perfect church and then you come and you meet Mrs. Sandpaper and Mrs. Hard Toenails. You know, the people that you just cannot stand and you immediately see your own inabilities in them and you just want to get that speck out. And God's like, he's so gracious in everything that he's showing us or he's wanting us to come to. He's like, he's doing it with so much grace. Everything that God asks us to do is always in the context of the tree of life. It's always in the context of relationship. And so he's inviting us into this relationship of community where he's like, you know what? Maybe it's better for you if you get the plank out of your own eye, you'll see better. It'll help you walk better. You won't keep banging into things and hurting yourself. You'll get clarity because sometimes... <laughs> It's so funny, going back to this analogy, when all you see is a plank of wood, you think everyone is a plank of wood because that's your filter. You have such a huge plank, so you're just looking at everything through the plank of wood and God's like, let me help you. And so you, you take that out of there. That's the process, which is it's very painful, but it brings freedom. It, it is a process, but it brings deliverance. It is a process, but it brings joy. When we begin to realize what we've been forgiven of, no matter what our plank is, no matter what our past is, we become so grateful. When that plank is torn by grace, you start to see that person's speck through the eyes of grace. Amen. You no longer see it from this distorted, hard, cold, woody piece of wood. You see it through the eyes of grace, what he extended to you, you can now extend because there's no obstruction anymore. You know, I was thinking of the times in my journey <laughs> um, of transformation, continuous, I might add. You never get there until you're going to see Jesus. So... If anyone tells you they've arrived, uh, just love them. Because we are not going to arrive until we see Jesus. We're always going to be in need for God and each other. You know, my favorite aspect of community has, ever since I was a little girl, the transformation that he's brought about in me has always been this understanding my next point is partnership with him. This thought is so humbling to think that God, you know, he was raised from the dead. Jesus rose on the third day. Could have gone back, high-fived the angels and come back. And just, you know, saved us. 
Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about why? What was God thinking when he said, see you later? Peace and love, my Holy Spirit, I give to you. Now you have each other. Where God's plan of redemption here on earth. It's so sobering to think that God would want to partner with you and I, these broken people with logs banging into things that, you know, cause hurt and damage, that he said, I could do it this way, but I choose you because everything I do, I do it out of relationship and everything that you do, you need to do out of relationship. In John 13, 35, it says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God put his bet on me. God put his bet on you. Can you imagine God saying, yeah, I put my bet on that messed up kid, that self-righteous pastor's kid who thinks she knows it all. You know, I'm going to, Allow her to be my agent of transformation to those who have not yet been accepted. That is huge, guys. That the reason of community is his idea, his heart of partnership, that he would choose us messed up, broken people to bring his love here on earth. Why did God choose to reveal his heart to us? It's because he trusts us. He trusts that what he has died for will bring about his plan on earth. That trust is huge. I know I've told a few friends about this. My mom's sitting here today. You know, there are times in growing up, um, I did some, you know, things here and there, and, you know, I don't think I had, like, this major year of breakout rebellion, typical pastor's kid, but I had moments. And it's funny, because every time I had the choice of choosing from the tree of life or choosing the knowledge of good and evil, I would think about, yes, you know, hurting God, and then I would think of the immense trust that my parents had in me, that even though, you know, as a pastor's kid, I was supposed to look a certain way and act a certain way, they would allow me to go hang out with people that they knew weren't particularly great influences, but they trust me, they trusted me. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna tell you that I didn't always keep that trust. It's, it's hard when you have a prophetic dad as a father. <laughs> who gets woken up in the middle of the night with me, shouting out, with me shouting out his name from the ground floor, and I wasn't even there. And he woke up, he's like, something's not right with Rachel. And he calls me, and I had lied about staying in one place, and, I, and my auntie Bernie was there. I ended up in her place, and it was all a big mess, and Shelton calls me, Pastor Shelton, hey, Rachel. And my friend picked up. <laughs> Rachel's in the bathroom, she'll call you back. <laughs> I wasn't at her house, I was at my aunt's house because I had a late night and I wanted to go to my, you know, I didn't want to go back to that girl's house because she was going to her boyfriend's house or something. So I went to Bernie's house and 
Then my friend calls me on Bernie's mobile saying, hey, you need to call your dad and mom. They're looking for you. And so I called mom from Bernie's phone. Hi, I was in the bathroom. <laughs> my mother, she's, she's a smarty. She called back on that number and Bernie picks up. Hello. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that even when I messed up, they still trusted me over and over and over again. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that no matter how much we mess up over and over and over and over again, God would still choose us. God is still waiting for those he died for to come home because he trusts them and he trusts us to not be so into ourselves that we would not extend what we have received to those out there that need him. That this place, as Vandana said, the reason why we always say it's, this phrase, love and light, is because we want people to feel his love and see his light of truth and come home. That's why he died. And in 1 John 4, Verse 7 to 11, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, has, who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his only, one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You know what this scripture is essentially saying? That your level of loving comes from your level of knowing God. The way you love determines how much you know. It's not a know through an intellectual knowledge. It's not a know through just understanding the scripture, but it's a knowledge through experience. When you really start to know God, you start to experience God. And when you start to experience God, people see that. Because you love not from a place of your own sufficiency or your insufficiency, but from this gap, which then God comes in, the gap of the standard and the gap of where you're at, that grace sufficiency flows out of you. You know, when Ryan and I came here um, four, four years ago, we just had an idea of what God had called us to. We had a little bit of a blueprint. But in this four years, the journey that he's had Ryan and I on is the real journey of transformation that has happened in our own hearts. 
to show us how much he loves this city, to show us how much he loves you, to show us that we cannot afford to be any of those five points and, and revel in that because God died for that. God didn't die for you to be self-sufficient and self-important and self-willed and self-protected. And God died for you to be vulnerable and possibly hurt and possibly rejected and possibly betrayed. Look what he went through. But it was the joy of knowing the Father that he got through everything. The only way we're going to sustain ourselves as a community of love is if we know our God. If we know him not by, by intellectual minds or the ability to grasp the word of God just through knowledge, but by experience and understanding where our insufficiency ends and God comes through. Because it's always in those moments of realizing, God, but, but, but for me, but for me, I'm here. If it wasn't for you, I can't do that. I want to read, it's not up there, from the Passion Translation. Luke chapter 6 and verse 27 This is God's instruction after he chose his community. So, you know, for those of you who know, Jesus came at the age of 30, and then he called forth this group of people. I love how Jesus didn't come just parading himself, you know, doing what he did, his miracles, his sacrifice on his own. He chose a bunch of 21 and under, ordinary fishermen to bring about, to stay there, even though he knew what would happen, even though he knew when he, would, when he was about to, the, 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 the most isolated moment of his life, he knew they would betray him. He still chose those people because that's God's idea. And this is what he said to them. So he's not talking to people that didn't, no Christ. He's talking to people that had experienced him, that had walked with him. And this is what he says, love your enemies. But if you will listen, I say to you, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When you are mistreated and harassed by others, accept it as your mission to pray for them. So first, when God is asking us to do something, first take it in prayer. There's an internal action. There's an internal dying that needs to happen. There's an internal burial of that offense or whatever you're going through that has to be buried first in prayer, internally. To those who despise you, continue to serve them and minister to them and then action. If someone takes away your coat, give him your gift. Gift him your shirt as well. When someone comes to beg from you, give to that person what you have. When things are wrongly, wrongly taken from you, do not demand they be given back. However, you wish to be treated by others is how you should treat everyone else. Are you really showing true love by only loving those who love you back? 
And even those who don't know God will do that. Are you really showing compassion when you do good deeds only to those who do good deeds to you? Even those who don't know God's will about that? If you lend money only to those who know who will repay you, what credit is that to your character? Even those who don't know God do that. But love your enemies and continue to treat them well. When you lend money, don't despair if you are never paid back, for it is not lost. You will receive a rich reward. And you will be known as true children of the Most High God, having His same nature. For your Father is famous for His kindness to heal, even the thankless and cruel. Show mercy and compassion for others, just as your Heavenly Father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. You know, that is not possible without you knowing God. That cannot be a checklist to do as soon as you finish service. Oh my gosh, I better go and make sure I feed, you know, some bread to the next person who comes and asks for food. Or I better go and treat my maid well. Or, you know, yeah, I need to. She asked for a loan, I might just not ask for it back. No, I'm not saying that you have to start to strive. Maybe these things should push you further into God so that when you press into God, God is all that comes out of you. That when people press into you, God is all that comes out of you. Can we be a community? And as I've been reading and, and thinking about this message, all I, all I do is close my eyes and dream. This is so opposite to what the world wants. This is so opposite to what the world allows us to think or wants us to think. That we are entitled. That they should know. They've taken money, they better give it back. There's this, this whole attitude of, you need to be strong. You can't show weakness. You know, when you get through life, after a few hard knocks, you learn to be hard enough. You never get hurt again. But there's no beauty in that. There's no place for God to work in those cracks. If all you do is walk around with that plank. I want us as C3 Mumbai to dream. To dream that we can be a place that is a beautiful, broken, messy place. That people feel welcomed in. And not just, you know, show the love of Christ when they walk in, but continue that lifestyle. Because you know something is real when you start to get a few hard knocks. You know something is of value when there's beauty in brokenness. We can live our lives simply justified by God and go to heaven and never really fully live here on earth. But the community that God's called us to embrace and to be is one of brokenness, is one of humility, is one of turning the other cheek. You know, I found out the other day that we often quote, turn the other cheek, like if someone hits you on this, to show them the other side, you know, and... 
so that means like you keep taking the hard knocks. It's, and that sounds so noble. I'm like, oh my. But I found out that in, in, in those days, you would greet people with a kiss on the cheek. So when someone slaps you on one side, you still show them your cheek for them to greet you with a kiss. So often we, we think, uh, you know, the fact that I show them the other cheek, I took one more knock. Means I'm, you know, I'm justified with God, but God doesn't just show us mercy, does he? He shows us mercy and then compassion. He shows us mercy and then grace. Mercy is the fact that we didn't deserve it, but in his mercy, he gave it. He gave us justification. We didn't deserve it. But then grace is the empowerment to now live a full life. So when we understand the community that God has created us to be, we don't just sit and do our duty. We go the extra mile. We turn the other cheek. Can I, can I ask you guys one thing? Might be a little. When was the last time you were in inconvenienced for someone? You actually said, scrap that. I'm just going to do this because they need me right now. How many times do we actually allow ourselves to be inconvenienced? How many times do we actually allow the love of God? Because the love of God doesn't just die for our sins, but then empowers us to live a full life. So when we love people, we don't just initially welcome them, but we make sure that we are with them on the journey to succeed and grow and don't stop till you get enough. And we don't stop till we get enough when we're up in heaven. But this is not possible if we try, if we go on the cycle of the knowledge of good and evil, and we're trying to be a good person, and we're trying to be a good community, it has to come from knowing what Jesus did for you. And some of you may need to go and ask God to reveal his love for you. Some of you have never really understood God and you're trying to live from this place of strife and mistrust and you just keep hitting this wall, but have you understood what he's done for you? I think personally for me, I need to do this daily. And it doesn't have to start with huge acts of change. It's that, you know, that random act of kindness, acts of random kindness. Yeah, something like that. Just starts with small little things. How can you love people better? I know Ryan doesn't like to talk about this, but um, one day he was driving from uh, home to lower Perel, and just, I think, I don't know if it was on the journey, but, you know, just seeing the need. How many of us know that, you know, God's called C3 Mumbai 
to be changed that when we disappear or if we disappear that people will know that we did something for them. You know, people that bring enhanced culture, that step in there and say, we, we don't mind taking another slap on the cheek for someone else. We want to be that community. And sometimes that can seem so vague and so big and such a big vision. It can intimidate us. But God's like, start with who's on your journey. And, and Ryan was having this conversation saying, sometimes it's so overwhelming with God. And God said, why don't you start with who's on your way? And there's this little family that live in Mahalakshmi Station that I think it's uh, about eight months now that Ryan started to just chat with them, chat through sign languages because they couldn't understand him and he couldn't understand them. Just through smiles and just through communications that then they got more and more familiar with him. They would knock in his window and then over the next few weeks, he introduced me to them and I, I started communicating with them. But one day, he, he, I was like, babe, you said you're going to be home at 4.30. You know, I need some me time. I'm done with the kids for the day. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just took the kids to Bata's to get them new shoes. And, you know, and I just realized that sometimes when God drops opportunities, they're not things we can't do because God's not a tease. When there are doors of opportunities, we need to walk through them. And recently, through someone else in this community, Skanda's friend, one of the girls who's not seen in, in the left eye for 15 years got a free operation. And that family keeps calling us now. Um, they're just down here, you know, wanting a new place to stay. And at, at first, it might just feel like it's a conversation. It might be inconvenient, even when you don't know the language. But walk through the door of opportunity. When you start walking, God will open more doors because he wants your life to make a difference. He wants you to be that community. You know, and, and for us, sometimes we can look, oh, but that's just one person. The need is so huge. But start with one. Start with your neighbor. Start with someone that God's probably put in. And every time you see their call, you're like, mute, mute, mute. It's like, oh, not again. Maybe that's who you need to start with. Maybe someone just needs a ear, and a ear for you to just be there and to listen to them. Maybe someone needs a hug. Maybe someone just needs a friend. Just start to dream with me. Start to dream for this community. You know, the reason we're, we're preaching out of the, va the values and the vision of this church is because we want people to know that there's no point going to next Sunday and, and hearing about the gifts God's empowered us with and the way we fulfill our destiny if we cannot allow God to love us and we cannot allow ourselves to love others. These are the things that the law hangs on. And if, if we can't receive love, there's no way we can love God. We can't love God unless we receive his love. 
And, and as we are preaching into this series and as we begin to do that series, it's not just another program, but we want people to understand the process God has on their journey to live their best life. That they're not confused, that they don't go from step one and they jump to step four and they wonder why all these issues are coming out and they wonder why, you know, all these insecurities are creeping up now. It's because they haven't dealt with the deliverance God had for them. That yes, he brings you out of Egypt, but then he brings the Egypt out of you. And to allow God to work through this process that he has, he delivered them out of Egypt. And then he freed them from their slavery. Even though we, we know God, we've accepted him, sometimes we still act like slaves of the past because we've not allowed God in that process of journey, of change. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.